guidance. I mean, so many people in this world wander around like looking for a purpose, looking for what the hell am I doing with myself? What? Why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? Um, you know, midlife crises, all these things, and you know, and I. <laughs> You know, for me, it's it's been handed to me in a sense. Like, you know, here you go. This is what you're doing, like it or not. And half the time, half the time, I haven't liked it because it's been really hard and painful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like having to having to also face and heal all my trauma. You know, like having to heal all my trauma so that I can better serve and heal other people's trauma has not been easy. And. But it's been rewarding. It's 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 like my God has said. I mean, it hasn't been easy. It's been challenging, but it has been very rewarding. We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Hello and welcome to the Wise Not Withered podcast. This is season four, episode three. In last month's episode, I interviewed someone I met on a retreat. And this month, I'm interviewing the partner of another person I met on that same retreat. So I talked to Javi Martinez, who shares her incredible story of her gaming history, her experience being a trans feminine, gender fluid person her spiritual and shamanic path, which has, it's just so robust, so many things she talked about, um, including the work she currently does at the International School of Temple Arts as faculty and event organizer and coordinator. So without further ado, I hope you are inspired and moved and learn a few things from my interview with Javi Martinez. All right, so thank you so much, Javi Martinez, for joining us on the Wise Not Withered podcast. Uh, what is your age? Um, holy shit. <laughs> My age is 54. 54. All right, and where did you grow up? Well, uh, the first few years of my life, I grew up in Guatemala, and then we ended up moving to the United States roughly when I was nine or 10 years old. Okay. And what what brought you here? Just my family moved. You know, my dad was working up here, and we ended up coming up to join him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And where do you currently live? I live in western Massachusetts in a town called Amherst. Amherst, okay. How long have you been there? Since I was about ten years old. Oh, oh wow! So, so you moved from Guatemala? Off, off and on, I've like moved to other areas, you know, nearby areas, and then ended up coming back here. Okay, so it's kind of been in that same area since, yep. since like 
10 years old? 40 something years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. So I, I met your partner at a recent retreat. Um, she mentioned that you're an avid gamer. So can yes. you tell us about your gaming history? <laughs> well, um, let's see. The, I guess it's something that I've always liked. I've always liked playing games. Uh, games have always been an important part of my life just overall. And then, um, yeah, when I was about nine or ten years old, um, I started playing uh, tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And that was one of my favorite things, so I started doing that pretty, um, pretty religiously for a while. And uh, I also grew up in the time of arcades. You know, there really wasn't... Um, home gaming systems mm -hmm. you know we all had to like save our quarters and run out to the uh, run out to the to the video game arcade and play video games there so my friends and I would do that um, you know we wouldn't we would like not eat lunch at school and take our lunch money and go play video games after school wow like yeah uh, so it, it's just been just something I've always enjoyed i then you know got the original atari and then kept you know kept playing video games at home um you know as well as other games and then yeah basically once the playstation came out i've just been like a loyal playstation person yeah yeah what are what are some of your the the gems that what yeah. <laughs> the, gems, the gems are mostly like role playing games. Okay. Like I just, you know, not not having the time, or or even the group of friends that we all had time to play tabletop role playing. Mm. Um, once once I wasn't able to do that, it, it like my desire and my love of role playing games transferred over to to uh, video games, so I play games like Dragon Age, Mass Effect, mm -hmm. Skyrim, those are like my favorites. Um, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey was really good, I really love that one as well. But, okay. But it's most, yeah, mostly the, the role-playing games are the ones I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I tend to gravitate more towards those ones. I'm not very good at the shooters or the platforming games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't do like MMOs or go online with people. Um, yeah. My, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's about entering a fantasy world. Uh, like, a, yeah, tied into that is my love of reading. Like I grew up reading fantasy books. Okay. Books. So it's, it's all woven, mm -hmm. woven together. Yeah. Do you still read those kinds of books or not as much? Not as much because of time and other interests. Right. But uh, yeah, the past few months I did go back and like reread a few of my old favorites. So it was like a nice, yeah, it was really nice to go back and reread. Yeah. What, what made you decide to go reread those books? I'm not sure. I just basically had been playing video games a lot and I was getting sort of bored with that and I was like oh yeah reading <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've been reading other books like spiritually themed books but um, but yeah I just felt like wow you know I haven't done like pleasure reading in a long time just sat down with a fun book and mm -hmm. just devoured it 
Yeah. Yeah. To do that, so that felt good. Yeah. Yeah, like something a little more like light. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so she also mentioned that you're a Guatemalan trans goddess. I, I love that. I love that title. She gives me all kinds of titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's an avid gamer, trans goddess, like all, all these very, very fascinating things. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious, like the whole um, transitioning process, like identity, spirituality, social constructs, culture, like just whatever you're comfortable sharing. I'm very curious. Well, that's really open-ended, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my... Yeah, I guess it's a funny thing. Like, my transition is... um, I don't don't know if it's, like, particularly unique, but I think it's different than other people, you know, than most other people. Um, Because it was very much tied into my my spirituality and, and my shamanic path. Okay. Um, and where do we get? Um, <laughs> yeah, like growing up, I didn't remember or know um, that that um, you know that I'm like so feminine and a woman inside. Like, as a, like I didn't know I was a woman. I I grew up thinking and feeling that I was a boy and a man or, and, and things like that. I knew, knew I was different. <laughs> like I always had a, a funny sense that, that I wasn't like, like all my other friends. Like I felt things that they didn't hmm. uh, feel things that they didn't feel. I would think differently. Like there was, yeah, like I just thought, oh, okay, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, different just a weird person Hmm. Um, but then then when uh, when I started my my my, like really stepped into my spiritual path and I started doing uh, my shamanic work like as a shamanic journeying and really stepping forward into my shamanic path I was uh, called into service uh, one of my patrons goddesses that has been with me my whole life um you know stepped forward and was like okay i want you to devote yourself to me um full-heartedly a hundred percent um yeah like a hundred percent devotion and you know one of the <laughs> rules or stipulations that she put is that if i am to do this i have to um I have to devote myself a hundred percent and effectively do everything she asked, no right of refusal, which was, you know, pretty intense to think of like, okay, yeah, I want to be in devotion. I want to serve. I want to do these things, but to have like, yeah, to, to give everything over to really, yeah, to really do everything spirit asked of me was, was a big step. I had to really think about it for a while and really feel into if I was something I was really willing to uh, to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so after a couple of months of meditating on it and really feeling it, I was like, okay, I guess I guess this is something I need to do. Um, 
Yeah. And yeah, she told me that you know it was my choice. Um, if I if I uh, if I do it, it would be really challenging. It would be really challenging and difficult, but also very rewarding. And if I didn't do it, that I could go on, you know, living a regular, boring life. You know, and I thought, you know, and I, the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, you know, I really don't want to have a boring life, and and I do want to be a, you know, a healer and do all these things. And it's like, and if I don't do this and I don't gain the skills, what's going to happen in the future if those skills are needed? Hmm. You know, like I have a daughter. Like, what if? My daughter needed some form of healing, and because I chose to just be a regular, boring, call it a muggle, you know, and I didn't <laughs> have access to that divine connection to provide what I needed to provide, I would regret it.、Hmm. You know, I would regret it. So I thought, well, I guess this is something I need to do. Yeah. So I,、uh, so I did it. I held the ceremony. I did my devotion. And、um, pretty much right after I、um, <clears throat> devoted myself to her, she said, "You're a woman," and I was like, "Excuse me."、And、I was like, "Excuse me, what do you mean I'm a woman?" And she said, "You're a woman."、And、I thought, "Okay, I don't know what the fuck that means." <laughs> like, and and I had to sit and meditate with that. And then she started giving me tasks, like I had to get rid of all my old clothes. I had to go buy women's clothes, you know, and all these things that were really about, you know, feminizing me. So she started giving me all these tasks to have me really drop into more of a feminine place. And the more the tasks that she gave me, the more I realized, wow, like she's guiding me really to this. Thing of like she says I'm a woman, and so I started feeling into that. Like okay, if I promise that I would do everything she asks, and she says I'm a woman, let me feel into that. What does this feel like for me? Like really feel into, am I? Am I really a woman?、Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, doing like a deep dive with this, with this. Feeling with this idea, and、um, you know, and I and I went to like other like you know shaman people, shamanic practitioners. I went to psychics. You know, I would go to different things, and I would ask like, okay, you know, like, can you help me with this? Can you you know journey and find out, or can you get a reading for me? Like, am I really a woman? Like. You know, like I did that a few times. Like I'm like, I need to double check this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like maybe you know, just like maybe I'm going insane. You know, like I let, let me go ask a few other people to see, to see if this is、uh, you know congruent.、Mm-hmm. Um, and the answers were pretty much in alignment that there was something there. You know that there was something there for me to explore. So I'm like, okay. Exploring this, and after、um, I don't know what it was like six, seven months of of doing tasks of like wearing makeup and doing different things,、um, 
I did a, you know, I went on another journey, and this time she said, uh, okay, now you're gonna go and get um, estrogen, you're gonna go get hormones. Uh, and, you know, that was a big step for me. I'm like, oh, okay, um, I guess we're reaching a new level. Hmm. And um, I still wasn't fully convinced I was a woman at the hmm. time. And how, how old were you at that point? Oh, I was, uh, it's been 15 years. So, um, yeah, it's been about 15 years. So, like, 40, 39? Yeah. Okay. 40, 40, yeah. 39, yeah. 16 years. Okay. So, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I went and spoke to my doctor. I mean, I knew all the things I needed to say to, to to get the, uh, to get the estrogen, and um, and yeah, it was a very, it was like a, it was a big portal. It was a big portal for me in my, in my life, in my transition, in my sense of self. Uh, because the moment that I injected the estrogen for the first time, and the estrogen cursed through my body, it like felt. Um, yeah, I really felt in my system like like I'm home. Oh. Like I'm home. And and I and, and it really felt so much like home and so much like like this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Like this feeling is what I've been seeking my whole life and I and like and it's like I didn't know it. Hmm. You know, it's almost like having that yeah, it was like my body always felt off, wrong, like I always felt, I don't know what to call it, like, yeah, like my, I never felt comfortable in my own skin, kind of a feeling, but it was like a constant thing that I wasn't aware of until, you know, until I had the estrogen, and then I was like, oh my goodness, like this is what I've been waiting for, this is it, like this is this is it, this is home for me. I felt home in my body. Yeah. Maybe for the first time. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, and I remember that as soon as I felt this, I, you know, I, opened, I looked up and I was like, you were right. You know, like I had this moment of like, you were right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was how it began. Like it was not, like I had any idea that, that that's what I was, that that's who I was and what I was doing. Yeah, I just felt, you know, like even up to that point, I had doubts. Even after that point, I had periods of, of doubts. Hmm. Um, even now, <laughs> even now, there's still moments where I question, where I question my gender. Hmm. Um, you know, people say that, that gender is fluid and it changes or whatever throughout your life. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case or not but for me there's definitely been elements of fluidity uh, particularly in the first half of my transition um, I did go through through periods of time where I felt like I was more um, you know trans feminine but gender fluid and I would flow back and forth hmm. and um,
how would that show up like in a day-to-day thing like how how did that kind of like... it, it can be day-to-day it can be minute to minute like it can be situational mm-hmm. um, the i mean part of it is that i do carry you know 40 plus years of living as a as a man mm-hmm. in my system in my body in my muscle memory mm-hmm. in my brain yeah it, like um, I mean, biologically, like semi, like I don't. Biologically speaking, you know, testosterone shaped my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, the, right. the, the, the testosterone brain and the estrogen brain are very different in mm. many levels. There's like different neural pathways that run through the brains, dictated by hormones. Mm-hmm. So I have all the masculine, <laughs> all the you know. I don't know if masculine is the right word, all the testosterone, you know, neural pathways, and then I got and formed, and my brain got reshaped with all the, with all the estrogen neural pathways, so my brain is, does some weird things sometimes, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, hmm, it, it's, trying to think of a way to explain it that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah like at times like in the past like when I you know like the first half of my transition I would say that I typically shifted within the spectrum of what I would consider my identity based on if I was feeling masculine or feminine mm-hmm. So if I stepped into a real masculine space, it was almost like everything just sort of shifted and I would just step into that, into that place. Um, you know, like I was before my transition, it was just like a full shift. Uh, you know, body mannerisms, the way I spoke, the way I carry myself, the mm-hmm. way I sit, the way I talk, you know, it just becomes very much like that. And then, you know, and then when I was feeling more feminine, I would flow more into like a soft feminine um, place where then I could feel my identity as, as a woman more fully. So I was like going back and forth based on how I felt within the masculine, feminine polarities and dynamics that are within me. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has them. Right. Everybody has them, but within me, it would cause like shifts in in how I felt about myself, mm-hmm. how I felt about myself in the moment, and that still happens periodically, you know. And um, yeah, and there's times that I just feel like I feel my body, and I'm like, is this right for me? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's moments of questioning. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's interesting. Like sometimes I don't realize I've made a shift until I'm talking to someone about something, and then my language sometimes gives me a clue. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, as an educator, if I was to be talking about about you know, um, let's call it you know, male psychology or male health or male sexuality or or you know 
growing up, you know, growing up that way or something, and I'd be talking, I might shift into language of like, yeah, of um, including myself, like, we often feel this way when, right. or, or things like that. And, and when I, and when that comes out, sometimes I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm a we now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a we with this now. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and there's other times that I'm not aware of it that, um, that someone will use my pronouns, um, you know, of like she or her that don't feel good in my system. Hmm. And then someone will like, you know, refer to me in that way and I'll constrict and be like, whoa, that's not me. Hmm. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, that's weird. I didn't realize like I didn't like that's an interesting thing that I don't feel good being a she her right now, you know, and, and so it makes me sort of feel like, okay, so am I in the he him? Like, am I like, where am I on the, on the pronoun spectrum? Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but it's not like a conscious thing. Like I wake up and go, hey, today I'm gonna <laughs> be this. It, it's just how I am, just going through my day. Mm-hmm. That there's little indicators that sometimes tell me, like, oh, you're more this way on the <laughs> on the spectrum today, or or in this moment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's those things, even though the majority of the time when I'm going through my day, when people misgender me and call me a sir or a he, him, it hurts, mm-hmm. you know, and it hurts. So then I'm like, then I know I'm over here. You know, so it's a lot of times it's more like, yeah, situational external reflections that give me, yeah, give me a indicator <laughs> as to, as to where I am right in, in the moment. But I would say the majority of the time I'm definitely in the, and the feminine, um, yeah, the trans feminine identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of, time, yeah, a lot of times it's easier for me to say I'm a trans woman to people than to say, than to say, oh, I'm trans feminine, but sometimes I'm fluid. And it, it, like, just, it, like, it just turns into this big, huge, confusing thing. And if 99% of the time, she her pronouns make me happy i just say hey great just use please use she her pronouns because 99 percent of the time they make me happy and it's so much easier to say i'm, I'm a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and i am i mean <laughs> like even uh, even as far back as february just a couple months ago i was going through a questioning period where i was like going on like you know, shamanic journeys and, you know, getting help from, from other practitioners to figure out like, the, like, what is my gender? Who am I? Because I was going through one of those questioning periods. And, mm. and at the end of the day, the question, the answer I got through all of the uh, guidance I got and journeys I did was that I am a woman. So I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I can't, yeah. Yeah. It's simple, but it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. <laughs>
Yeah. Um, can you talk more about the whole shamanic journey? Like what, uh, what started you? What got you interested? And I'm sure that's a whole thing too. <laughs> uh, well, I've always been interested in the metaphysical, in the spiritual. Uh, you know, when I went through adolescence, I was interested in the occult. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was always interested in those kinds of things. You know, I, you know, read books and practiced basic rituals and, and um, you know, pagan things as I was, you know, as I was going through adolescence into adolescence into adulthood. And that's always been important to me. Um, but um, yeah, like it started <laughs> with. <laughs> You a little bit, a little bit of background. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, okay. and I used to work in a juvenile detention center, working with delinquent kids, and I did that for like almost 25 years. Wow! And so I was at a, um, I was at a conference um, that was based around the treatment of sex offenders. Mm. At this conference, there was a, uh, a a clinician that was also a shamanic healer who okay. worked who worked in the treatment of sex offenders using um, Native American healing ceremonies uh, as part of his practice, and uh, so he was giving a presentation, and I was like, "Yeah, that's my shit right there." Like, I need to in this like I need to know about this and and so um, so I sat in this in this class and uh, he spoke about you know living in Africa and learning to become a shaman in Africa Sangoma and he basically gave all you know gave like you know all these presentations and and things that were that were um, amazing and and he even talked about uh, you know shamanic healing for things like anxiety and he uh, led a healing circle for for a shamanic healing ceremony to to help somebody who was there who has anxiety who had had anxiety so I participated and witnessed this ceremony and the whole time that that he was speaking and the whole time that this class was happening um, and, and during the ceremony it was like I felt like lightning was going through my body hmm. like there was so much energy cursing through my body throughout this whole class that I was just like you know damn I need to I need to look into this. I need to like do this. Like this is amazing, and and I can feel it. Like it's it's so in me. Like I, I just like I had to do it. Mm-hmm. So I took some of the recommended books that he had listed on his thing. <laughs> you know, I I think I might have ordered them from Amazon. I don't remember, but yeah, I just took the books. I started reading. Um, I started going to. Um, 
drumming and journeying circles mm. near my house that other you know other shamanic practitioners were doing and so i just started journeying and connecting to my spirit guides and building relationships with my spirit guides and uh yeah and the more i did it it was it just felt like alive in me mm-hmm. and, and that's when you know, my teacher, my spirit guide, my goddess, who had been building a relationship shamanically, I already had a relationship with her before when I was in my pagan, you know, for lack of a better term, growing up, you know, pagan. Um, yeah, she stepped forward and was like, yeah, I want you to devote yourself. So I devoted myself. And then, um, yeah, it's just gone from there. <laughs> Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I'm curious what the whole, like, devotion thing, like, what what all does that entail, and and what, um, I guess, like, what purpose does it serve for you, too? Um, well, <laughs> what it entails is being in service. Mm-hmm. So it's not just being in service to her, but it basically means being in service to the earth, being in service to people, being in service mm-hmm. to to our collective. I mean, in essence, I'm a priestess. And as a priestess, I'm here to serve. And, um, and that may look different ways at different times to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I may be doing ceremonies in nature for Mother Earth that have to do with healing water or connecting to trees, um, you know, cleaning up trash, (laughs) I do that. (laughs) Um, Or it could be, uh, you know, going on journeys for people that need help, Um, you know, need need questions answered or need healing. It -hmm. could mean doing Reiki or energy healing on someone um, who, who needs healing. It could mean um, yeah, numerous things. I mean, I think part of my path as part of being in service is also being a teacher, being a presenter, being an event coordinator. <laughs> so there's a lot of areas that I'm in service and I mean, what does it mean for me? It means a lot of things. Like for one thing, it meant it meant me finding who I really am. Mm. You know, like I, you know, like that. And ultimately, I mean, I will say that my transition was hard. I was terrified. Mm. I was terrified to transition. And you know, especially in this world where there's so much hate towards towards trans and queer people. I mean, right now. Right now, you know, the, the Republican right-wing agenda is all anti-trans. Mm-hmm. Everything is anti-trans. I mean, they're like, you know, there's politicians calling for us to be eradicated. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So, so yeah, I was terrified to do so, um, not just for the world, but within myself. I had, like, internal fear of doing the transition as well. Right. Um, you know, and coming out and just everything. And um, yeah, so like, I really feel like if, 
that if I had not promised to do everything she asked, I probably wouldn't have done it. Hmm. And I think that spirit, you know, the divine, knew that at this point in my life and who I was and where I was in life and everything, um, that that I needed to to be fully devoted with no right of refusal for me to do the things I needed to do. Hmm. Um, and to really step into myself, into my power, into being authentic. Because I think if, if I didn't have that, I would have been too afraid. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's one of the things that's, that's, um, that served me <laughs> as hard as it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm living a crazy... <laughs> I live a crazy life, and <laughs> I mean, most people would consider it crazy. Uh, I, you know that that I don't think I would have had the courage to really step into and do all the things that I do uh, if I didn't have this. Yeah, this this place of being in service. Hmm. Yeah, and feeling like I have this like spiritual safety net that I can like jump into all these things and knowing that yeah knowing that I'm supported and that that I'm doing the right thing if that makes sense mm-hmm. like you know if I'm you know if I have you know spirit telling me to do something and it's spirits that are like my guides and teachers that I have a close relationship to I feel like safe that yeah this is the right thing for me yeah. yeah, so it's nice to have guidance. I mean, so many people in this world wander around, like, looking for a purpose, looking for, what the hell am I doing with myself? What? Why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? Um, you know, midlife crises, all these things. And, you know, and I... <laughs> You know, for me, it's it's been handed to me in a sense. Like, mm. you know, here you go. This is what you're doing, like it or not. And half the time, half the time, I haven't liked it because it's been really hard and painful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like having to having to also face and heal all my trauma. You know, like having to heal all my trauma so that I can better serve and heal other people's trauma has not been easy. And. But it's been rewarding. It's 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 like my God has said. I mean, it hasn't been easy. It's been challenging, but it has been very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Continues to be very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can resonate with a lot of that. Yeah, you you mentioned um, like drumming and journeys. Like, what what exactly is like a like a shamanic journey? I have heard that term before. And can you describe it a bit more? Yeah, let me let me see if I can summarize this quickly. Um, <laughs> okay, um, so I'm gonna speak in terms of Michael Harner and his uh, school, the Foundation of Shamanic Studies, that uh, Michael Harner was an anthropologist that you know traveled around the world and lived with many indigenous cultures and eventually um, became a, a shaman. Uh, he was welcomed by the village shamans into their mysteries. And the 
more he traveled around the world, the more he realized that that universally <clears throat> all of the shamanic cultures around the world all do the same things. Hmm. They may have different flavors of how they do it. They may have different, you know, techniques that vary in, in appearance or flavor, but ultimately um, all the shamanic practices are the same or similar. And so he called it core shamanism. So the so his foundation of shamanic studies uh, teaches what he calls core shamanism. And, um, and so in core shamanism, the idea is that people go into ecstatic states you know states of altered states of consciousness yeah. where we communicate with with spirits <clears throat> with entities with trees with the earth um with the with the seasons with elements and and there's different ways of doing it um everything from dancing to fasting, to vision quests, um, you know, going out in nature for you know for a few days with no food. You know, it could be um, going into you know into a dark cave for two days in darkness. I mean, there's like all these ways that universally people have done these things. Uh, plant medicines. Every culture around the world. Um, uses some form of mushroom or plant medicine to, mm-hmm. or you know, or, or frogs or whatever. Like there's different different nature medicines that help open the mind and expand consciousness to to, to communicate with spirit yeah. and spiritual growth. But ultimately, to narrow it down, what he found is that is that people can do this naturally without medic without medicines without doing anything else through uh, through drumming hmm. um, oh yeah I should mention breath work breath work is a big way to um, you know like um, um, to to also enter these states of consciousness but mm-hmm. um, but yeah so drumming where you just take a drum and you just you know beat it at the you know, a particular speed or frequency um, has a particular vibration that is encoded in our DNA that every human being across the globe, it has been proven in studies that if you just sit and close your eyes and listen to a drum just beating and, and you just relax it will put your mind into a trance state. I forget what it's called, like the theta state where we dream. I forget what it is, if it's beta or theta state, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm but, not sure. <laughs> yeah. So basically, people that are awake, that are just sitting and listening to drumming, if they just allow themselves to relax, they will automatically go into this kind of mental wavelength state where you can receive visions or dreams it's where we dream but it's where we receive visions Mm -hmm. and every person can do it it's part of our 
brain, like our brain is wired to do this naturally. So, 
um, so yes, yeah, so you follow the path to where you're trying to go. You know, you you imagine it, you visualize it, and you visualize yourself walking in those directions, and eventually you cross a threshold, be it a doorway, an archway, you know, the the pearly gates into heaven. You know, um, I, I I like to use the analogy of Jack and the beanstalk. Like Jack climbed a beanstalk all the way up into the clouds, and then Jack climbed through a cloud, and when he came out on the other side of the cloud, he was in a different world where he could stand on the cloud, and there was like castles and east that laid the golden egg and all these things. So there's usually a threshold, and when you cross that threshold and you enter the spirit world, is usually when your imagination sort of isn't, and your visualization isn't is 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 no longer um, like like something will happen, you know. Something will happen. Like spirit will interact with you in some way that um, that you that you'll sit there and go, okay, I'm in the spirit world now because there's no way I would have dreamed this up. Hmm. You know, like you, your imagination only takes you so far, but our, you know, our imagination only has so much in terms of creativity <laughs> in these moments that when you step into the spirit world, something will happen with the environment, with, you know, an animal or something that's going to, that would be so weird that you'd go, okay, I'm here and I'm with the, and I'm with spirit now because there's no way I would have dreamed this up. There's no way I was, you know, my imagination would have done this. So it's hard to explain, but that's how it feels. It's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't imagine that. Hmm. So I know that's something that, that I know that something's happening. And that's usually the indicators for when you're in the spirit world. Yeah. Interesting. So spirit, so spirit lets you know, okay, you're here. Let me show you this weird thing so you know you're here. It's almost like lucid dreaming where something weird happens and you're like, oh, I think I'm dreaming, you know, like it's something like that, like different, but, but yeah, there's like an indicator. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's basically, yeah, in a nutshell, that's shamanic journey. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Do you remember your first one? That's a really good question. I remember my first one yeah I, I was doing it so much just trying to map out my my you know my worlds and where all my guides were mm. at that time just meeting my spirit guides that I don't remember what my first one was yeah okay I know it was found because I went back <laughs> again and again <laughs> I don't remember what it was that yeah that made it special and profound yeah okay yeah and yet so you did mention the mystery school like is is it neo tantra is that how you say it well i mentioned uh michael harner's foundation of shamanic studies okay um, yeah and you know they they offer training like three year you know two or three year apprenticeship for becoming you know shamanic studies and um and it is a, and I just want to throw a plug out there. It is a foundation that that when people do go and, and um, 
and pay for their programs, the money does go to to uh, indigenous cultures and to um, and to indigenous shamans to help keep all these shamanic practices alive. Okay. Different cultures in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that because it is important. And it is you know something that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But yeah, I do belong to a mystery school. Yeah, what, what is that? What does that mean? I belong to a mystery school that's called um, the International School of Temple Arts. And I am a faculty for the International School of Temple Arts, or ISTA for short. And we are a... Um, <laughs> it's like defining who we are is always a changing thing. Um, but yeah, we operate within the realm of sacred sexuality and, um, and do utilize elements of Tantra, Taoist teachings, uh, shamanism and other very Buddhism and so many spiritual practices into (laughs) melting pot of things um, and and really it is about um, uncovering you know the mystery of what it means to be here in this life like the mystery oh. of life the mystery of, Interesting. The mystery of love, love the mystery of sexuality the mystery of the divine hmm. you know the mystery of source you know what we call source or know where where everybody came from like what is you know what is you know what is god (laughs) you know like the native american like the native american tribes referred to god or you know as the great mystery Hmm. you know it's a mystery (laughs) you know so the divine is a mystery um and so we're a mystery school that delves into these deep things like delving into shadow doing shadow work delving into darkness and you know and and, and light and yeah really like all of the all of all that it means to be human and spiritual it's it's um and sexual so the so while people wanted to classify us as Tantra because we fe- we fell into the you know neo tantric um, umbrella where people you know think of sacred sexuality in that way, um, while we adhere to some tantric practices like sound, breath, and movement, and many of our teachers are tantra teachers as well. Um, that's not effectively who we are mm-hmm. and so um so that so we started coining the term sexual shamanism so what we do is sexual shamanism which is different than tantra um because yeah it's more of yeah it's a it's a different flavor mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, like Tantra comes from India and has like this rich tradition, which, you know, there is a lot of cultural appropriation and spiritual appropriation that has happened, right. you know, within neo-Tantra communities and even within ISTA where we've taken things from, you know, from the Tantric traditions of, of 
of India, and we've utilized them and and changed them and and you know and adapted them to to what we do. Uh, but yeah, so we basically call it sexual shamanism, and um, and there's. Um, And again, again, it's difficult to to explain in a short period of time because yeah. so much of it is a mystery because it's so different for everybody that that comes to our training. Uh, do you do like one on one, or are there any like group classes, or is it mostly like individual? Yeah, we we do group. Uh, for the most part, we do trainings. We do week long week long intensives. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the first and the and the first call it the starting point the level one um, is called the spiritual sexual shamanic experience and so I facilitate those trainings and um, and this experience is um, is even though we have a core curriculum everybody that goes through it experiences something different hmm. because everybody's on their own journey right everybody journey and you know we have a feeling that or a sense or maybe a belief that everybody that comes to our trainings gets exactly what they need hmm. so it's like so it has that shamanic feel that like for some people you know they get some things like where um, they open up sexually in ways that they didn't know they could. Other people receive healing from trauma. Hmm. Other people uh, just go deeper into their own spiritual practice. Other people just basically um, develop a stronger sense of self and identity. And um, yeah, the primary core of the level one of the of the ISTA level one has to do with sovereignty, with with personal sovereignty mm-hmm. and sense of self and, and self empowerment, and so that looks different to to everybody that comes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so there's so there's the yeah, there's this level one which is about the self empowerment. Then there's few, there's other trainings of one that's good, that's being renamed into um, into soul initiation. We used to call it the level two, mm-hmm. and it used to be called the spiritual sexual shamanic initiation level two. So the first is the experience, the second is the initiation. Now we're taking the level two part of it out and just calling it a soul initiation. I believe the name is still being worked out because. Too many people felt like, you know, like in our Western culture, we have, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade. So people thought I'm going to do level one and I'm going to do level two and I'm like a progression. And it's not like that. Mm. It's not meant to, it's meant to be um, like two separate things that aren't linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about the self or it's, or it's about killing the ego and, and really going into like, uh, deeper, deeper initiations, death initiations, uh, sexual rebirth initiations. So there's like, you know, more real, like, it's like a different 
that's a totally different thing. Um, and then there is like other trainings that are, um, um, there was another one that has to do with, with really, um, the core teaching of it has to do with disillusionment and being disillusioned with, with the mystery school, with ISTA, with everything, being disillusioned with, with things hmm. in a way that, that, um, if everything is falling apart around you, can you still hold your center? Can you still hold your ground? Can you still stay grounded with who you are in your mission in life? Yeah. You know, in, in your purpose and, and continuing to do what you're here to do, even as everything else is falling around, you know, falling apart around you, or mm. even as the world is collapsing in on you, that that no, you can't, you know, no, you can't do this kind of a thing in terms of like I'm going to go change the world. There's going to be that, <laughs> you know, that pushback, that that like. Like no, this is radically different. That this is bad, and you can't do this because of you know the old belief systems. You know, how can you sit there in the fire and still hold your center and continue mm. plodding forth? So that training is that that piece of um, and and then we have the practitioner training, which is. Um, really becoming a healer, sexual healer, within the frameworks and teachings of what we do uh, within ISTA and, and um, yeah, within, within that framework and philosophy of healing as oh. a practitioner. Yeah, how, how was the transition from... Um, you said you were a mental health counselor and then you started going more into the shaman, shaman route. Like, yeah. is it kind of gradual or did you make an abrupt switch? Like, how, what did that look like? Well, um, it was a gradual thing. <laughs> like, I continued to work. I continued to work at my job while I was a apprentice for ISTA, becoming, you know, working towards becoming an ISTA faculty as I learned. <laughs> as I learned and healed and worked on the, in these, in the field, you know, worked in these areas and was at all these trainings. And then, um, and then it just got to a point where, where I, yeah, I reached like a point of no return where, where, um, my soul just felt like I couldn't be at my job anymore. Hmm. Like I just couldn't, continue to do that work like I needed to to leave that job so that I could follow you know a path that's more soul aligned right I think my job was definitely soul aligned for that period of my life you know mm -hmm. healing and helping all these kids in need you know where I, where I was saving lives I did save a lot of mm -hmm. lives um, and, and I have a lot of love for, for the kids I worked with and that population, like I feel like at some point I'm going to go back and do more work with that population somehow. I just don't know how or mm. when. Um, but yeah, like it was like I yeah I just when I was at my office I just felt even though I was doing good work, 
I felt like stifled and trapped and I just knew my soul was like, no, you need, you need to do something else, something bigger, something grander, something beyond this. And, and so that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm out, um, creating, you know, basically creating events. I'm like, I'm an event, like a training court organizer so that I organize trainings and events for other teachers and other, other people. I was organizing for ISTA, so I would help bring ISTA trainings to different places as an organizer. Okay. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm an ISTA faculty and I'm teaching the ISTA level one. And so, uh, above and beyond that, I'm feeling a call to be like a shamanic counselor. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. A shamanic counselor, like open my, like open myself up to seeing people, um, individually one-on-one, which would be a, a variation of coaching and counseling and therapy and shamanic work as well as healing work if needed you know be it reiki or or even um your body work Mm -hmm. like i do i do body work i did complete the ista practitioner training and i I have skills in, in different healing modalities so it's whatever whatever is needed uh and that's that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I just need to just take all of that in for a second. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. Wow. I feel like the the last questions I wrote just seemed kind of silly. Like, okay, so what are some of your hobbies? But um, yeah, I guess maybe kind of related to hobbies, like it does seem like the work that you do is very, very deep. And I, I would, I would, I would guess that it might be very draining too. Like, how do you, I guess you did mention like light reading, like how do you balance that? Like, how do you not like take that home with you, you know? <laughs> Well, um, I mean, part of it, I would say part of it is that I use tools mm-hmm. to, to help release things, release energies, stuck energies within me, tools that I teach at ISTA, mm-hmm. for example, as well as other tools that, that, my, that my beloved has been teaching me as well. So we work together in different ways, um, yeah, to help release things. Um, yeah, I do have, I, there's times I have to come home and just have like decompression periods where, where I just need to like sit and relax and, um, that's basically it. I, I do need some downtime. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not, it's not like, it's not like really I don't know. I, I think I do push myself a little bit more than I should, but mm. it's a lot of times it's something that I love doing. So then I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. What are, what are some things that you're looking forward to? Like in the near future? In the near future? Yeah. Um, 
there's a there's a few things that I'm like really excited about. Uh, I mean, obviously, one is I'm going to be <clears throat> I'm working on on an Oracle deck, and I have a friend of mine that's doing the uh, artwork for it. Okay. I'm I'm at, I'm like in my second edit of the description of all the cards and everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like pretty pretty soon I'm I'm gonna see about getting it published or do self publishing or I don't know how it's gonna go yet but but that's something I'm excited about yeah um, in a little bit over a week on the twenty fourth I fly out to uh, California I'm gonna be teaching ISTA out in Northern California. Where specifically? I don't know the name of the venue, but it's about an hour and a half from San Francisco. North or south? North. Okay. I actually grew up an hour south of San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to be out there teaching ISTA. Cool. And then then something else that I'm really excited about is that in June, I have a training up here in upstate New York called the Shamanic Kink Immersion. Shamanic Kink Immersion that I'm organizing. Okay. I'm, or- I'm organizing and assisting and being a part of. So that's up here in in, um, in upstate New York. So I'm excited to, to organize and help create this, this event. And then in July, at the same place in upstate New York, I'm going to be teaching another ISTA training. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if, you're, <laughs> if your viewers want to want to come meet me in person, they can come to upstate New York and, yeah. Yeah. Get, get, a, get a taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That sounds, that does sound pretty exciting. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, those are all the questions I have. That was so much, so much really interesting stuff. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask about? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, you know, to, to come, come around full circle to, to this originally being a a uh, interview about gamers and people my age that play video games. <laughs> well, it's it's not just that. It's like I wanted to just interview lots of lots of older, interesting women doing interesting yeah, things, right. and yeah. Yeah. So uh, so definitely, yeah. I'm I'm excited for uh, I'm excited for the new Diablo game that's coming out soon. <laughs> I'm excited for the Baldur's Gate 3 game that's coming out in August. What's it called? Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I've never heard of that. So there was uh, the makers of Dragon Age many years ago created Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 um, for PC like, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, now there's a new Baldur's Gate 3 coming out. And what I really love about it, besides the fact that it has beautiful graphics, 
great storytelling. I mean, so much of it is like impressive. Um, the artistry of it is incredible, mm-hmm. um, and the storytelling. But it's that the the makers, Larian Studios, are actually doing everything in their power to make the game a um, as close to uh, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons five E core rules. And and to make the game feel like it's a tabletop role playing game, even though you're playing a video game. Huh. So their goal their goal is to like to make it feel like you're immersed in a tabletop game, not just playing a video game. And so, um, so it really so so it's 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 really incredible. That, like really the storytelling. The way it's done, like if you're playing a tabletop role-playing game, when you do checks and abilities, it actually shows a little box where a twenty-sided die rolls, or a, you know, or, or six-sided dice rolls, or whatever, to really see if you are successful in your actions, and hmm. and and you can play multiplayer with friends too. So you can go on campaigns with like you know three or four of your friends. Um, right now it's only in early access but the new game is coming out and it's yeah i'm like super excited for that i can't wait yeah cool sounds good (laughs) so so that's that's the other things that i'm excited about yeah it's just the the upcoming video games Mm -hmm. yeah yeah nice cool well yeah thank you so much this was a really great interview Thanks for sharing so much of your story. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, until I put up my own website, which I'm working on this moment, uh, people can find my profile on the ISTA website, which is ista.life. Just, they can just type in ista.life and it goes to the ISTA website. And then you can find all the trainings and you can find all the faculty. And then I have a profile there. I have uh, my own website for the trainings I'm organizing that also has some information about me, which is uh, neistatrainings.com. So N-E-I-S-T-A trainings.com. Okay. So, so that's <laughs> simplest way to find me. Find me on Facebook, you know, find mm-hmm. me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what's your Instagram username? Um... I think it's my full name. I'm on my phone right now. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Javi Martinez started S-T-A-H-L. Yep, Javi Martinez started. Yep. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of the Wise Not Wither podcast. I will see you or um, you will <laughs> you will hear me next month with another interview. Thanks and bye-bye.